0: I was the brother of everybody in the neighborhood. That continued on into college and, and afterwards and in my investment banking career and living in Europe and having all these experiences is really maintaining relationships mm. because I was always looking for those, I was always looking for that a brother or sister.
1: On today's segment, Mark Mullen shares what it was like growing up as an only child with two entrepreneurial parents and how that influenced him into the venture capitalist he is today. Mark, thank you so much for joining us today on Demo
0: Day. Fun to be IRL with some people.
1: Right? Yeah, we're just a a couple podcasts back in the studio here. And uh, this podcast has been really fun prepping for. You've lived all over the world, uh, Louisiana, Denver, Uh San Francisco, London, Paris, New York, and now Los Angeles. You've closed... Uh, deals across 30 countries, built and founded your own VC fund. You sit on the board of several major companies, and you're without a doubt a big staple here in Los Angeles and just the overall VC tech ecosystem. So I really do appreciate you coming and uh, joining us today on Demo Day.
0: Wow. Super kind of you. <laughs> You've done some research. That's You had to dig deep.
1: Yeah, yeah. So Uh, I always start the podcast with a simple question around why VC? You know, Mm -hmm. you've been doing this now for over 20 years. You could be doing a lot with your time, your energy, but you still are in the world of investing in founders and startups. And I was curious, like, what is it about this sport or this industry that right. keeps you, you know, alive still and, and burning?
0: I will skip over some of it, but for many years uh, I worked for a very well-known, famous entrepreneur named Bill Daniels, and um, he had started many companies himself. So that's really where I started to have some real, real-world experience working for a, an entrepreneur. Uh, my father was an entrepreneur as well, but this was, you know, post college, and. Um, uh, so he invested in companies, and he also advised a lot of people on companies, which is what I did over those many years as an investment banker. And um, that gave me the taste of and the ability to invest in companies directly. And so my first angel investment, which was not called an angel investment in 1997, I invested the, in in the guy who I grew up with and went to high school with. Uh, he started a web development company, if you remember what those were, uh, website development basically, and he had. Uh, um, uh, he needed to buy a server. It cost $10,000 to buy a server. And I bought the server for him, and he paid me 15% annual interest on that, and plus gave me warrants in his company. And next thing you know, he went public. And so that's where I was like, oh my gosh, this is crazy. Now, again, this is 1999, for sure. a unique time. And then over time, um, we invested in funds. So we as partners with Bill would also invest in private equity funds. So I got a taste of and experience with how those funds were built. Then my clients were Carlisle, Texas Pacific Group, um, Blackstone, et cetera. So then I started having clients who were in the private equity space. So fast forward to when we sold our firm in 2007, and I had to stay until 2010 as a a partner, um, I was educated and used to making investments directly in companies and in funds. And having had this career with Bill, I was never going to work for anybody again. and really I called myself unemployable. And so I looked around and really thought that there was a ton of capital here in Southern California. I just moved here, my wife was born and raised here. So I was trying to feel my way around LA. Um, and there's a ton of money here, but it just wasn't very organized, particularly in venture capital. Mm-hmm. We of course had upfront ventures, which I had invested into myself in, in 2007. I was an investor in Crosscut in 2011. This is before I even started venture. I was already investing in venture funds in LA, again, getting the taste. And um, to make an impact, uh, I felt like there was an opening to start a venture capital fund. And you can also start one, or you could, and you still can, of course, with a with less capital. Definitely. So I raised 17 million over two years, I mean, uh, two funds. I invested my own money. I'm the largest investor in those two funds, but I have 40 other investors, former clients, friends, etc. cetera. Um, Uh, high net worth individuals that I got to know over time. And that's how we built that fund. And so uh, that's a long answer as to like how I weaved in and out and found myself looking at an opportunity, which was building a venture capital fund in Southern California to focus on B2B software. That was another angle that was not being really Mm. focused on, except for Jim, my partner. And so that's, that's really how it got to be. I wasn't sitting, I didn't have the chance to sit there and go, God, it'd be great to be a venture capitalist. Because that wasn't really a thing. Um, it had become a thing by 2011, but it wasn't a thing in the 90s. And yeah, uh, it was more of the storied firms you've heard of before, like Venrock and uh, people like that. But there was a very small industry.
1: So I have several questions about Bill and your experience. You know, in, at his company and like how that you know started to. Um, almost like pick up some steam as you move deeper into your career, I want to kind of like pause and go back to those early days. I'm, mm-hmm. I want to keep us in Louisiana mm-hmm. and in Denver. Mm-hmm. I, I heard it was sort of like I grew up amongst Louisiana and Denver, but I wasn't actually sure. Like yeah. where I saw you did Boulder High School, but were you yeah. mostly in Louisiana growing no, up? Was no, no,
0: it- actually, it's a little bit unclear. And funny that did we talk about Louisiana because that's not a that's not in my LinkedIn anywhere. I went digging. Um,
1: I went digging, Mark.
0: My family's from Iowa. Mm-hmm. My my mom and dad grew up in the same little town together. Um, and my father had a lucky streak. One day, he met uh, three brothers in Iowa who were starting a company in the ski business, which was Lang Ski Boots. If you're a skier, you would know who Lang Ski Boots is. And they were starting the company and they were gonna move to this place called Boulder. I'm not exaggerating, like they're gonna move to Boulder and start the company there. And he was 24, um, and tw- 22 and I was two. So they had me when they were in college. And we moved to Boulder when I was two. So I never knew anything about Iowa. And um, and he started, he was at Lang Ski Boots, And then continued in the ski industry for about 10 years, which I grew up in. Um, And then he was also in the restaurant business. But the point is, there was a two-year period there where he sold his company, his restaurant company, to Chart House. The Chart House. The Chart House. And he took over as president of Chart House. And Chart House, of all things you would never know, was headquartered in Lafayette, Louisiana. And so we moved to Lafayette. And, um, which is Cajun country, Southern, you know, Southwestern Louisiana. And I was there for two years. That's it seventh and eighth grade. Got in, got, got out. in. <laughs> my mom, I don't recall her ever actually coming. <laughs> um, she did come, but it was uh, about a year later and we left about six months later. So um, Louisiana is a very small part of my life um, for sure. But then we went back to Boulder, thank God. And I continued to vote. So I really spent most of my life in Boulder.
1: Uh, for those that haven't been, Boulder is one of my favorite places yeah. in the country. It's so cool. Um, now, I think something that's kind of cool is that your father was an entrepreneur, but your mom also had some entrepreneurial tendencies yeah. and and yeah. you kind of had that firsthand look at, you know, growing up amongst two parents that, you know, are both like trying to make it and try to do their own thing, so to speak. Uh, I remember hearing you say one time that something to the effect of like the reason that like you wanted to get more into business is because of like what they were doing and what they sort of were you know, showcasing you. And I was curious if like, did it feel like, you know, your parents were maybe not around is the right question, but like growing up with two entrepreneurial parents is kind of a,
0: you know, I think the, the interesting thing is there's a, if we're going to have a psychiatrist uh, session here, that'd be great. (laughs) I might, I might need that. Um, I'm an only child. And like I said, my parents had me when they were freshmen in college, I wasn't, on the list of things that they wanted to do at the Mm. time and it forced my mother to drop out of college so she never she went to one year of college at the university of iowa my dad played football and basketball at the university of northern iowa which thankfully is how he got into school he got injured and had one of those teacher moments uh that you read about or hear about where he was going nowhere and he had an english teacher who pulled him aside and said You're going nowhere, but you have potential. Wow. And he survived that and came out of that. And so that's, you know, then fast forward to how we moved to Boulder because I was an only child because, you know, when I was like 12, my kid, my parents were 32. Like they don't, they didn't really know what they were doing in hindsight, but they were great parents, of course, in hindsight and during, but um, I got a lot of responsibility younger and Mm. early on both to take care of myself. Not because they were like, take care of yourself, go figure it out. That wasn't really... It just was, we were all kind of, you know, learn, learning t- yeah, as we're going. Totally. And, and so I think that's helped me and uh, be, you know, I started Double M by myself. Um, uh, and so that's helped me be not afraid to be alone and trying yeah. to, do, to
1: do things. That's where I, w- I had this question that I'd written down of like, when you think back on just like everything you've been through. Do you see being an only child as an advantage or a disadvantage?
0: Well, there's no revisionist history, right? We can't. Right. (laughs) Right. So, so I've taken advantage of, or disadvantage of whatever the situation was, to be honest. um, I throw the, I'm an only child card occasionally because the first response that people always give me is like, you don't seem like an only child. OK, I guess I take that as a compliment, mm. but I also feel bad for people that they feel that negative feelings towards an only child. Yeah. Right? Like every only child that I ever meet, we have like a bond right away. It's like, <laughs> what's up, bro? Or what's up? You know, I get it. I get it. So um, I think there is um, the, the, there's definitely benefits from being an only child, but I'm sure there's some weaknesses as well. Mm. But what it pushed me to do me, I'm not talking about other. Right. Everybody in the neighborhood, I was the brother of everybody in the neighborhood. Whoa, I walked into everybody's houses. I knew everybody's moms and dads. Of course, we all, it was closer neighborhoods in those times. Yeah. But I was the brother, like, just like anybody else. And so that continued on into college and, and afterwards and in my investment banking career and living in Europe and having all these experiences is really maintaining relationships mm. because I was always looking for those. I was always looking for that, a brother or sister. Yeah. And so uh, I think that's part of my DNA in terms of how I've, branched out and have different relationships all over the place and different, for different reasons. Yeah. I may yeah. have a golf buddy. I may have a science buddy. I may have a math friend. I may have a French friend, you know, just for different reasons. Totally. And I think maybe that was somewhat set up by not having brothers and sisters and other people around. Cause you're just like,
1: yeah, like, just, I just want to be with everyone and, yeah. and I don't have like, Oh, I don't want to be with those people. It's like whoever will like hang out and yeah. enjoy. And
0: so that's where I think maybe the, the advantages mm. come from.
1: You know, I know that you said like you grew up with parents that weren't that old um, or that were kind of young when, when they were raising you, did, was there like an overwhelming feeling of like, you have to go to college and you have to do good no. in school. And so, but you did, you went to Boulder in Michigan and well, MBA and like, what was driving you to be like, I want to like go down this path.
0: I know it was because of my dad who they were both super poor, like they had nothing. And, um, the rest of their family has nothing even today. Like it's it's not a great, you know, environment in a small town in Iowa. Wow. Uh what I have to point to is that um never saw him not 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 working hard. He's a very straightforward, honest person, which I try to model myself after, and sometimes that's a negative, mm. which is being too straightforward, which I've been criticized for. So we work on that. But um <laughs> <laughs> just a work ethic that was driven by my parents, um, but not overtly. Like they were like, get to work, you know, stuff like that. Like I, I mowed yards, but everybody mowed yards. And then we all mowed, we all had to get jobs. We all had to mow yards. We were all the bus boys at the restaurants, my whole neighborhood, like that was just common thing. For sure. Um, then I was a mechanic at budget rent a car. Like I'd go f- I'd go after football practice, then I'd go to budget rent a car. I didn't, uh, and and then I'd catch the bus home, which is random because I didn't have have a car. And so all those things, I'm not saying I didn't have a great childhood growing up and that my dad was successful, but it was just like a work ethic that they established early. And that was really it. And I wanted to make money. Boulder is and was a fantastic place. I didn't know that that much back then. No kid really pays attention. All I wanted to do was leave town at 17, which I did when I went to Michigan. So it was just like... You know people are like oh my god boulder must have been great I'm like it was but i i got out you know i left like every like and i never went back in terms of living and spending time there so really that was where it came from was um was having a work ethic yeah and so when i got out of college i went to school i went to work for a bank commercial bank i wanted to i wanted to get into finance i wanted to give my dad you know i, I got that kind of feeling from it. i wanted to get into finance i didn't know exactly what it was let
1: me i have to ask though for college like were you the like Woo! Like let's go like frat and you know, sports and and like party life in Michigan. Or when you got there, were you like, I gotta like, I gotta get my act in order. I gotta have like something lined up. Like what was your experience like while you were there?
0: Okay. Again, back to the psychiatry lesson you're giving me analysis. (laughs) You're giving me here. So um I went to Ann Arbor and it's no fair. I have a I have a senior in high school right now, and watching her have to go through this college process has been awful compared to what what I went through. Um, but we were much more well rounded, right? Like like, okay, so I got didn't get as high grades as she did, but I also played three sports and I had a job. Like that's what and I took the SATs and ACTs and all that stuff. So we so you kinda got in. Yeah. I went to Michigan and I had no idea. I was quite sheltered in hindsight. Um I didn't know what a fraternity was. And yeah. Um,
1: I mean boulder is and not I like- ended
0: up being in Spanish one oh one and sitting next to some, you know, goon. <laughs> who could tell I was probably a goon as well. (laughs) And he's like, dude, you're going to rush it. You're going to do the rush. I'm like, I don't know what you're talking about. And this is how it started. And he ended up becoming my roommate and we rushed where he, his dad was a Sigma. He was in the fraternity in Michigan. And, uh, so he goes, come to these parties with me. So I said, I was literally a little lamb falling, going to parties and having beers and ended up joining this fret. And, and, um, and I made great friends from Mm -hmm. it. But to further answer your question, uh, I didn't get, in, I was not in a business school there and I was in liberal arts, the liberal arts school. And I woke up kind of mid, mid semester, second year. And I was like, it's time to get going. Mm. Not because I was messing around, but I certainly was just enjoying college, which I think you're supposed to. Definitely. I mean. Yeah. But it was like, what are we doing here? I'm going to. I don't remember. I must've had that conversation with myself. It's not like I had that, that conversation for, like that. Right, right. I transferred and finished out at Denver University. I had two degrees at Denver. I had straight A's at Denver. I came out of there on fire. Like, yeah. I was already working my senior year. I worked for Janus Funds. Like I went from uh, just having a great time to having a good time, but also really focused on, and I don't know what turned in me, but it was just maybe life.
1: Yeah. You know? Like, mm-hmm. um,
0: And so- that's what happened, and so I came out of college, uh, uh, working, and uh, then I moved to San Francisco. I was there for three years working for private equity, and then I went to grad school. And so um, I was smart enough in, in grad school in 1990 to say I wanted to try to differentiate myself. So I was good with numbers, um, and I had had a job for four years, but I um, I went to a school called Thunderbird, was international mm-hmm. finance school, and uh, really excelled there. And you had to you had to graduate. Where's Thunderbird again? Well, it's there's five campuses around the world. There's there was China, Mexico City, Paris, and uh Switzerland. And then um Phoenix.
1: Arizona, right. Yeah. Cause and I was like, I I was looking at Thunderbird and, yeah. and I saw it's in Phoenix, Arizona. I'm like, I don't think that's the Thunderbird. So you, that go, Mark to, yeah, went you go to yeah, you go to
0: four semesters, you do two semesters at the main campus, and you do two semesters at a international campus.
1: And this was in Paris you, you did I went yours to Paris. in Paris, yeah. yeah. And was that experience for you like eye-opening Bl-
0: mind-blowing yeah right? because i never um had been to europe until uh right before grad school started i did that that trip around europe with a good buddy but right. we were 20 25 years old not you know 18 and that was a fantastic trip and so i went to paris um and you know i got good pretty good in french but the irony is that uh I was getting ready to go work for Credit Suisse, one of the investment banks, and I got a chance to meet Bill Daniels. That's literally the the, the, the match that was struck. Where'd you grow up? California? In Manhattan Beach. Manhattan Beach. So if somebody said to you as you were growing up, do you want to meet Eli Broad or- Pick a California entrepreneur that everybody knows back then.
1: You know, Kobe Bryant or like, or like well, I don't know if that was would-
0: <laughs> <laughs> fair enough. I mean, so Bill Daniels was known, was a uh, very well known in Colorado, you know, this billionaire swashbuck, you know, this, he owned the nugget, he owned the basketball team, the football team and all these things. And he had run for governor and he owned 10% of the Lakers, just this famous guy. And, um, but so I knew that growing up because I was into business, as I said, mm-hmm. and then um, just a coincidence of factors of, um, coincidences, sorry. Somebody said to my dad, Hey, um, does Mark, how's Mark? Oh, he's good. He's actually finishing up grad school. He's getting ready to go to go work in New York. You know, he wanted to get investment banking. And, um, the, she said, well, did she ever, did she, did he ever meet Bill Daniels? And he's like, I don't know. You know, I don't, even, I don't know if my dad, <laughs> and so he asked did you ever meet Bill Daniels. I'm like, No. And she said, well, uh, they're looking for somebody if you want me to introduce. That's how it started. And I'm like, wait, so I get to meet the Kobe Bryant of basketball here in California. I'm going to meet this guy. And so, um, yeah, so I got an interview with him.
1: Stay tuned for our next segment where Mark tells us more about the Bill Daniels story and how his interview at Daniels and Associates changed his life forever. Peace, guys.